Welcome to the Thomas Playbook. Thank you for listening. I am Tsepo Pule, a husband of one and father of two. For years, my identity had been tied to what I do for a living until the year 2020 when everything fell apart. Hashtag COVID-19. Almost five years ago, I became a father for the first time and I thought I was ready. Looking down at my son's chubby cheeks, my heart filled with pure joy and trepidation, seeing my exhausted wife on the bed after a water birth, I vowed to be the best father ever. It turns out, I wasn't entirely ready to be the best father ever. I had not prepared accordingly for the different stages in my life, career, marriage, and parenting. I have since lost my job and therefore have chosen to be fully focused on what's important to me. I'm doing right by my vow and I'm hoping to foster a community of fathers that share similar values. Welcome to the Timers Playbook, a podcast series on fatherhood, proudly produced by 1730 Media. So, was the reaction for me, or were you like, I'm going to be a dad? Does it have meaning or does it not have meaning? You know, I was more like, oh, fuck, what now? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the overriding feeling. You know, like when you discover that you're going to be a father, like what do you do next? You know? Um, so the initial thing, like when you tell someone they're going to be a father, I can see how you're supposed to react. But like I'm saying, for me, it was like, what now? Okay. And then I need to go back into my normal um, framework, which is how do we plan for this? How do we sort this out? What do we do? You know, because that's what I do. Dude, like you, I just told you, like, I sent you a day, like a picture that says you're going to be a dad. Like that was you. You get stumped, and then your default is, "What are we going to do?" No, it's not so much as what are we going to do. It's okay. Then what's the game plan? Because there has to be a game plan again. No, lovey. It's just we. Ju- I found out that afternoon, so I let you know that evening, and that was. Now we're gonna have a baby. Uh, but I think it's more like then. How do you? How do? How did you read my reaction then? You you didn't have one, so it, it's it's kind of the same like the day you proposed, you know, and and um, so you, <laughs> when I finally saw you, you were at the the boot or something like you're taking out something out of the boot, and just like your whole face, like if you're white, you'd be pale, <laughs> you know, you mm. looked uncomfortable, but you were it wasn't a negative uncomfortable like you really you're right you were very unsure of what now type thing. Yeah. And you sort of took your cue from me because I was just like giddy and excited, you know? So he's like, okay, I'll be giddy and excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, five years down the line, mm-hmm. has it been, Papa Bear? Oh, no, fatherhood is great. Mm-hmm. No, fatherhood is amazing. It To me, fatherhood makes sense. And I think that's what I kept saying that day. This, oh, I actually kept saying this is a good thing. This is a good thing. <laughs> um, no, five years has been, it's been, overall, it's been good. Um, it's been challenging also. So, there are a lot of things I have to think about all the time, you know, in relation to my family. Mm-hmm. But overall, I enjoy the idea of being a father. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't feel foreign to me. It doesn't feel like it's difficult um, doesn't feel like a chore. It just feels natural to me. And I think we're lucky also because we've got two great kids that they they do make it easy. It's not like they don't tell you what they need or what they don't need. Mm. You know, so 
Yeah, no, I enjoy. I enjoy fatherhood. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place now in relation to me being a dad. What were your biggest challenges in relation to being a father? Mm-hmm. Uh, I always thought it was going to be money. You know, um, the initial thing is 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 to obviously think that the toughest part about being a dad is that you don't have money and you can't provide. But it's actually time and being present. You know, so the kids required me and you to be there for them regardless of whatever you know so if they needed you to wake up in the middle of the night they needed to change they need a bottle whatever it is they just needed you to be there mm. and i don't you thought that i was not there because i was working and i was doing like trying to run a career and stuff that has gone to shit now <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, i think with with some jobs the toughest part was just not being there all the time mm. You know, coming home late. I mean, there was some jobs where I had to come home late and I didn't enjoy that. I knew that it's important that either part of the day, whether morning or whatever, I want to be there for it and for everything. And that caused some tension between us also, you know, and I couldn't help it because that's the, no, that's the job that you signed up for. But I get it. The only way to help it is to change the job or to fight to have freedom so that you can do what you needed to do, you know. So that was, that was the big challenge um but to be honest i i just thought i don't know what i'm doing I'm, nobody ever does i get it that's why we're here doing this thing <laughs> i also feel like the the there's been so many parents before us before yeah and even though nobody knows there is some information you can tap into you know so i didn't factor in that the kids are going to go through different stages <laughs> no you did not <laughs> And so when a stage comes, it doesn't mean that everything is applicable to my child as per mm. the person that wrote a book or whatever is. But there are some things you can learn, you know, like when the child is two, when it's three, when they're teething want to look out for, when there's a growth spurt. So there are things that you can learn. And I didn't prepare myself accordingly. I just thought, ah, I'll know what to do. Mm, and you used to fight me when I was telling you like what to do. Yeah, but you, you were also trying to figure it out. No, we were. But like I had a plan. I had a baseline. I read everything. I went through some. I went through Sandy. Like teething fever. It, it's, it's always what I try to explain to people. Just because you are informed and you have knowledge of things and how they should go doesn't actually mean that when the moment comes, you're equipped. You know, and that applies for everything. I mean, our first kid, TJ, is amazing. And he is, there's no book written about kids like TJ because it doesn't exist. He's an anomaly, which is why we're so happy to have a second one who's the perfect template for every book written about toddlers. But um, I'm the mom. You should always trust the mom because the no- mom knows what's up. Always. Yeah, okay. Okay. Mm. I'll take your word for it. You don't have to. No, I'm joking. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> And what were some of your most favorite things about being a dad? Like right now or just when like I started? Like in general, I mean, like it's been five years. You got two kids, two and four. What's what's the vibe? Like what's the best thing about either of them? You know, the best thing about being a father, I would say, is that the, the, these people love you for you, mm. you know? Because they don't know that, maybe I'm a douche like deep down, but they haven't figured that out yet, you know? <laughs> so your kids just love you. They want to be around you, you know, all the time. They want to show you things. They want you to acknowledge them. Um, and for me, that's the coolest thing. Like your kids run, you know, because like I said, a lot of these things I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced. Um, I don't have any younger siblings. I don't know any cousins. I don't know any of this. Yeah, but he, we were like, 
How old is he? He's 26 and I'm 38. I was like 10. Okay. You know? Oh, you mean like close in age to you? Yeah, or you and, and, and the nephews and nieces, like at an age where you can be helping to look after, to look after them. So I didn't have that experience, you know? So I and they were all new to me. So the idea that there's someone out there who actually just loves you for you and wants your attention is great. When they discovering information is amazing. Mm. You can see that everything is new to them. The world is new. They are interested in everything. They want to play with everything. So they want to eat everything. They want to eat and experiment, you know. So we as adults we do lose a lot of that. And your kids constantly remind you, like they'll see something new. Like to you, it's not new because okay, you've been seeing it for years. To them, it's new. So you have to explain it. And now I'm really enjoying them discovering new music. So I'll play a song and I'm like, let me test out the song with, with, with my firstborn. And if he likes it, then it's all good. Then I think I'm all right with my musical taste. <laughs> <laughs> and I have my own opinions on that. And you have your own opinion on that. So yeah, I, yeah, no, kids just, just, just love you, man. And because of that, it just, everything just makes sense. doesn't matter how bad or good your day is. Mm. Your kids will run to you like it's the first time they see you. Mm. And that is always cool. No, that's amazing. Like in the morning, you come downstairs and like they just run up like, hello, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. lovely. So when I, when, when, when I wake them up in the morning, they both want to hug first. So they want to sit with me for a little bit mm. before they wake up, which is always nice. Mm. Yeah, well, so it doesn't matter what the day was like or how I woke up because sometimes I'm grumpy when I wake up. Oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> But the kids, just, they just want to hug you. So it's, it's a good time to enjoy it mm. and just have fun with it. Because there'll come a time when they realize, Dad, you're not the thing that you said you were. You know, mm. you're just a regular dude. And then they're over you. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm noticing that now and I'm enjoying that. And speaking about getting over your dad, like, how did that work for you? How did you get over your dad? I didn't have to get over my dad because I never knew my father, you know. Any idea that I thought I had about my father was dismantled very quickly. So the little interactions I had with my father, um, he was not there, like he wasn't present, you know. So when we were kids, my, my mom would force us uh, to go visit him. So So she'll just put us on a taxi and we'll go there. And when we get there, this guy will just go arrigle the chips, go spaza, and coke. And then we sit there for a little bit and then he'd go off and do his own thing. Well, that's my memory anyways. So I actually wonder what my sister's memory is of my father. You know? mm -hmm. And I think this happened maybe once or twice a year. But beyond that, I don't really know my father. I don't have a relationship. I'd never had. He was passed away now. I didn't have a relationship with him. Um, I actually resented and hated my father for the longest time. So throughout my 20s, when I thought that I really needed a father, you know? So, and all the, the questions I had could never be answered. So my father, even when he came home, when by home I mean to our house, Kutubi, he just get there, first thing he does, unruma beer. And then he just drink and get drunk, you know? So if I was playing in the street and I see my father, I'd actually just run away. So that was not even him. Like, I actually hated that. Mm. Now that I enjoy beer so much. <laughs> you know? So we've never had a conversation. Um, we've never spoken. I don't remember it about anything. You know, it could be even football. I don't remember us speaking about football. I know Nasapota Pirates. 
So I made sure next support the chiefs. Like proper. So are you like saying that because your dad was one way, you made sure that you were another? I think so. You know, I think that's why part of what I do is the way it is now. Mm. You know, I never thought about it up until now where I've gone on this journey to try to understand my family and where I'm from. Mm. And I think a lot of what I do is to try to get one up on my father, you know, so to be, you know, daddy issues, hashtag, they never go away. So like you're like secretly competing with him. I don't know. It's, it's not be an awesome dad. It's not much of a competition, to be honest. So I'm winning hands down. <laughs> nigga is dead bro <laughs> I know I know um, you know, no but listen if you have a, if you have a shitty father you can go either way right you can just r- repeat what he was and say that's what you knew or you can go completely the different direction so I've gone the complete direction different but that is based on that experience that's a huge part of it okay you know and that's just my that's just not my dad it's also just how I grew up we didn't grow up in a like your family I won't say love it's loving in its own way but it's not, let me say warm, you know what I mean? So it's not, we don't hug. I don't. I think I've hugged my mother maybe once or twice. I think, I can't remember. My sister, forget about it. We don't hug at all. You hug my sister more than I do, you know? So we're not from that kind of family. So with my kids, I am very, oh, what's the word? I'm very intimate with my kids. Yeah. I love my children. I kiss them, hug them, whatever. Like Playful. I'm very playful with them. Mm. You know, and I make sure that it's it's clear, it's present, it's there all the time. And I think I will do it up and even if they tell me not to do it. I don't think I'll ever stop loving, kissing my kids. Okay. Yeah. So here's a personal question. And this all personal? No. Mm-hmm. The day you found out that your dad died. Yeah. No, this is personal. How did you feel? I didn't feel anything, to be honest. And the funeral itself was weird. And I think you were there. Mm. You expected to mourn somebody you don't know. Mm. You know, and what's it about? Oh, Kina was Malumes Mangmang, hey, young as Minumalume, hey, Munkula, like that's all weird. You know, I don't know the guy. Mm. I never knew my father. I actually didn't want to go to the funeral. My mother said I need to go. And I was like, that, you're forcing issues. Mm. Yeah, well, all these things that you and I understand now, like about funerals, uh, when you need to be there, what happens, you know, afterwards, blah, 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 blah. So all these rituals before and after the funeral that need to happen, they never happened. Mm. So I actually did them now recently after the whole thing, like um, to be introduced to the ancestors and so forth to be welcomed into the home where he stayed, you know, to do mm. the right things as in his people, culturally his people, my people, where I'm from, need to understand who I am mm. and why I'm here. Those things were never done. So I am doing them now. That's why I'm saying with my dad, we're cool now. We're getting there. We're getting to understand each other through the extended family and everybody else who's left behind, you know? Okay. Um, so no, my dad's, my dad's passing did not affect me I don't think directly, but indirectly did, you know, because then I realized that if I don't make peace with his passing and his life, I will not have peace. Okay. And now, interestingly enough, that like informs a guy's legacy, right? Sure. So what's your stance? Because you've got two boys Mm -hmm. who are very, very different. Yes. And... They're, they're an amazing blend of who we both are yes. to be in different ways. 
So as far as legacy goes, like what's your vibe on that for them? What do you want your legacy to be for your children? Well, before I get to the my legacy to them, I I strongly feel I used to have this idea that um my kids are my legacy, right? And for some reason somehow I need to indoctrinate them into my kind of thinking and so forth, like all this weird stuff that parents do like for their children, whatever. Now, I think for them to know about their father is I have to live up to my highest expectation of myself. So I have to live up to everything that I said I want to do. You mm-hmm. know, I have to sort my own house out. I have to tell my stories. I have to live to my highest values. And that's the legacy that I can leave for them. You know, for them, they need to sort out their own legacy. They need to figure out what, <laughs> what impact they want to leave on this world. You know, so I am learning, I am teaching them, I am guiding them. But ultimately, my biggest dream for them is that they become who they want to be. And they're independent and they're accountable and they develop in a way and very quickly. You know, self-development for me, for them is very important. Mm. They need to figure out their value system as quick as possible and be accountable to that and to themselves only. They aren't accountable to me, you know. In a legal scenario, yeah, sure, for certain things. But ultimately, they need to be their own people and they need to create their own legacy. But the only way they're going to do that, well, not the only way. One of the ways is if they see their father doing it and it's evident that it's possible. I can say it, but if I'm saying one thing and I turn around and I'm a useless drunkard father then I'm, I'm being a hypocrite hashtag to the drunken fathers out there <laughs> you know and that's that's what happens a lot it's like someone someone tells you something and but they live their life completely opposite to that and it's not to say that we're not all fallible right we make mistakes and that's okay too your children need to learn as quick as possible that you aren't superman or superwoman hmm. and that's okay you know even now when we make mistakes we tell them dude, it was a mistake. I wasn't focused. And they'll say to you, why? And I'm like, because I keep telling them, focus, you know, look at what you're doing, pay attention. And when I'm not doing it, I have to say to them, yo, dude, I wasn't paying attention. And my favorite was like, mommy, you're being naughty. I'm like, yeah, I hear you. Sorry, man. It's okay. You're still my friend. (laughs) And that's the honesty that they start to understand at a very early age. Obviously, the conversation has to be age appropriate. I get that. But we can't start lying from to kids from early like even when every time they i just say ah because i said so i know that what i'm doing is just bullshit Mm. you know because that doesn't make sense like there has to be a reason because i always want a reason out of them well aren't you glad i'm your wife huh yes tessa (laughs) to knock some sense into you (laughs) so tell me Mm. what is um your most favorite memory of being a dad Oh, like at least top three or top five. Yeah, that's a tough one. Because there's a lot. Our kids are hectic people. They're very busy bodies. Mm, I mean, obviously, I think this is a given, but I don't know if it's a given for everybody. Um, when they were born, you know, I, I mean, obviously, because TJ was the first one. And I mean, that was a smooth pregnancy if ever there was one, right? Mm. You had a good time, we had a great time, we went out, there were no issues, there was a water birth. I was so confused. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. You know? Not really. Okay, you don't know. 
um, and you grabbed me and you were slipping and sliding and then one minute the baby was there. Mm. Uh, and I was like, yo, no, that's it now. <laughs> Life is different now. <laughs> um, I remember when, the, when TJ was born, I don't remember coming home with him. So I don't remember the first night he was at home. Okay. I remember when he was born. Like I can, I don't think anybody can forget a water birth and you were there halfway in the bath. Mm-hmm. That's hard to forget. Mm. And I think after that, like a few days after that, it was a bit of a blur, you know, because we're just now trying to figure out what was happening. All I remember was that the house was very warm for a very long time. And these kids were born in December. <laughs> you know, and obviously the second one, because it has to be an emergency Caesar that stays with me forever. So that's what I remember the most about the second one is that it was a very worrying time to say the least, but not just for him, but also for you, because you couldn't really be with him immediately after that. They had to take him to neonatal mm. and you were in a different hospital. He had to go to a different one. So I had to be there, you know, so I had to go between all this stuff. So I'll never forget that stuff. Actually, I've never asked you like yeah. how you felt that whole time. You know, my default thing, and I think this is from you, was that you always say like if, if, if there's an emergency or whatever, you just sort it out and then you'll cry later, mm. you know. So at that time, it was more about, I, I have this thing that I need to sort out, you know. Mm. I must make sure the kid is okay. My wife must also be okay because you were freaking out because you couldn't be with your kid. Mm. And so I had to go to you and then to him and then that you need to, to express and then give him milk and then make sure he's okay. And what's So for me, it was just, it's automatic. Let's just do it. Mm. Um, I actually didn't know if the kid was going to survive to be honest and for me it was I need to prepare for any eventuality so that was my big thing was for some reason I needed to be pragmatic during that time mm. yeah and that was that was the overriding feeling and I think that's how I handle things that are difficult is if I'm pragmatic about it then I can get through it you know but I genuinely didn't think not think but I'd Part of me was like, you need to prepare if this guy doesn't survive. I didn't know that before. Okay. But then he survived. No, like, we came home. <laughs> we both came home. Yeah. Well, anyway, you're asking about memories. So I'm trying I'm trying to figure out. Um, yo, it's a hard one. I won't lie. I, won't, I can't say their first birthday or whatever, whatever, whatever. But I'll say milestones. Like, when I started communicating with my first born that was awesome you know because i feel like now we can have a conversation sure it's with a (laughs) five-year-old but all i've ever wanted was to talk to this guy Mm. yeah well (laughs) just end on that (laughs) listen here (laughs) that's all i've ever wanted and now the second one also is coming into that so we're slowly starting to speak so the different milestones um, when they learn new words new phrases and i think the school has been great also Mm. Because I'm, con- I, you know me, I've, 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 because like I said, I've never really helped raise a kid. So when everything happens in Jay, they come back with a new word. I'm like, ah. <laughs> but I guess it's natural, right? They're going to learn new words eventually. And new ideas. Yeah, and new ideas. So I'm enjoying it. even when, Like Lamborghini. Like Lambo. Um, or when my son threatened me and he said, as soon as I turn 15, he's going to beat me up. <laughs> So part of me was like, ah, oh, okay, cool. There's a challenge. You're on. But it means also those things. It, it's going to be a different phase. 
mm. you know so maybe we can do other stuff together like box together or whatever which would be cool and um what's the hardest thing you've experienced being it as a dad being a father i don't find it difficult Mm-hmm. The difficulty is in my own things in my head. Mm. You know what I mean? So like the stuff that needs to be done for fatherhood of how I interpret what it needs to be fatherhood. Whether it's operationally like waking up, lunch, food, picking up the kids, going to school, I don't find that part difficult. No, you don't. Of course there's a lot to do, but from day one I was always willing to wake up and be with the kids. So that part is not difficult. The difficulty with my life and everything else it's always just in my head. Mm. You know what I mean? So even in the beginning when I said regardless of whether I don't have full-time work and I don't have the money that I needed that's irrelevant to my kids, you know? My kids are not only raised by money. More than anything it's the presence of the parents all the time that is required. Mm. You know, how we want to raise them in terms of lifestyle and homes and schools that is up to us. That's a nonsense. Yeah, so the kids don't sit there and say I want to go to this particular school when I grow up or whatever. I guess they will one day. Um but for now at this age, I mean, we're going to go pick them up now, right? What are they going to want? They're going to want their favorite song in the car. So I just got to make sure that the phone the works. But how what kind of phone or what kind of bluetooth is irrelevant? The song must be there. And then there must be an ice lolly when There must be an ice lolly when they get home. Maybe they want some some watermelon, whatever. So it's like simple things like that. So I don't find fatherhood difficult. Mm. I find getting out of my own head difficult. But then how has that changed? How has fatherhood changed your relationships with other men, other fathers, and other children, other people's children? It hasn't at all. But that's why also this is my way of reaching out to other fathers. Mm. You know, so that I can I guess we have a starting off point to have a conversation about something else other than sports or girls or alcohol or work work money. you know so these are the conversations that need to happen um so my relationship with other males hasn't really changed and i think it's simply because whenever we are around each other it's more or less the same bullshit mm-hmm. which i think we should change and add layers to it mm-hmm. you know i don't think it should completely go away but I think this would be an opportunity to have different kinds of conversations that are actually elevating and moving us forward. Mm. In terms of other people's children, um I still struggle with other people's children. I am sympathetic. <laughs> sympathetic. <laughs> um yeah, it's it's I think it's because me and other fathers are not close. So it's 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 generally their mothers that come through when you're asking me that question again. So it's their mothers and they generally come in to see you. And there's like if there's not one of them there's 10 of them. Mm. So immediately then I distance myself. But we've never had a situation where it's just the fathers that come to the house or we go to theirs and we're hanging out and I get to learn a bit more about their kids, see how they work with them, they react, you know, when, you know the advice that your sister gave us, right? When we become parents. that you need to let the other person figure out their own way of being a parent. Mm. So I can do that with you, right? I can't do that when there's 5, 10 mothers around. Because society and even our friends, funny enough at this age, it's just assumed for some reason that dads just don't know better. You know? Or they're at a disadvantage or you understand things better. But even you, 
you can't say to me, I don't know about my children. There's things that I don't care for, right? That you do very well. There's things that I do very well. But ultimately, we know our kids very well. You can leave me with kids for days. You've done it before. I'm going to do it again soon. And the people that worry are other people, not me. Not me. Like, I don't worry that I'm going to be alone with my kids. Or, oh, I don't know what to do or this or that. You know, I'm cool. Yeah, like, I don't even leave you with a list of instructions. But society just assumes that dads need help more than everybody else. So when they get into that framework, I'm like, ah, okay, sharp. Then I just buy out. Okay. Well, if you had to speak to an expected dad, what would you say? I, I do a lot when I find out. <laughs> when I'm saying when I find out. I always tell them to be there. Be there for the birth. That's the first thing. You know? Well, that's the second thing. But be there throughout. Like, enjoy the process. Go with her to her checkups. Um, doesn't matter what they are. You need to make time for that because it it happens once per child. It's not going to happen again, mm. you know. So experience it, know it, be there for your wife because she needs to be happy and comfortable. Because ultimately, you are carrying the child. It doesn't matter what I say, you know. <laughs> if you are in distress, there's problems, you know. Even though my energy is there, I understand. But ultimately, you are the carrier of the baby. So my thing is make sure the wife is happy or partner, whatever, is comfortable. And then do not miss the birth, whatever you do. Even if you're not together, you know, and I always say to those that are not together, like, where are you going to be? Like, who's going to be recording that? Because you can't have that moment back, you know? So you need to be there for that, mm. you know? And unlike me, now I do agree that learn as much as you can about this parenting thing you know it doesn't give you everything but learn about it so certain things will make sense as they happen you know so learn as much as you can empower yourself with knowledge even if it's just from parents or uncles or mothers people that have been through this thing you know and try as hard as you can not to make your life rotate around the kid the kids create a life for everybody that makes sense because once we do that that could potentially lead to resentment of the situation or the mother or the kid and that's not good mm. you know but I think that all boils down to what kind of value system you have for yourself and your family and it all makes sense you know but just take it a day at a time pay attention uh, just enjoy your kids look at what they're doing and, and that's it the rest you'll figure out I mean it all comes naturally eventually and Make sure you have a great partner. You know, so find somebody that has the same value system as you, even if you're not together, so that you can raise these kids in a way that both of you agree on. Because if you, if you don't agree on how to raise the kids, it's going to be a problem. And eventually it'll, it'll lead, you'll be polarized and you force the kid to choose. So parents can, can be separated or divorced or whatever, but they can agree on the principality of how best to raise these kids, even when they don't agree on certain things. So that's very important. Are you looking forward to being a granddad? No, of course not. For whom? Like in 20 years. Watching TJ hold another TJ. Yeah, I mean... Pause video, this little mini laundry there. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll probably just take them over. 
you know. Yeah, because I like babies. Oh. You know I like babies. Like when they're that small, like I enjoy that. Marakitsi when they'll have children. So maybe I'll be tired. <laughs> you know, and if I'm tired, they must make a plan. Don't involve me. Don't harass me. Um, yeah. You must do granddad things. Listen, if they come to me and at 80 and they make me a grandfather, it's late for them. <laughs> you understand? When do they, when they must make you a grand? No, how old are they now? They're five. You had kids like in your mid-30s. So what were you hoping for? No, I wasn't hoping for anything. <laughs> so what, they, they're five. TJ's five now, right? So let's say if he has a kid at 25, 20 years time. You'll be? 58. That's not so bad. You know? Um, That's actually not bad at all. 60. I'm all right. I'll be fit. So I'm cool. Yes, I can be a granddad then. Okay. But he mustn't wait till he's 35. He mustn't wait too long, you know? But also he mustn't rush it. Mm-hmm. You know? Or he must. He doesn't have to have kids if he doesn't want to, also. TJ is going to have kids. We don't know. TJ, he's going to have kids. On that note. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate you, Tessa. Cool, man. Thank you so much for listening and streaming this episode. Um, please get on to your favorite uh, audio streaming service, like, share, and subscribe. And please, please rate the content. Um, it really helps us with content discovery. Appreciate your support as always. Thank you. Shop. Proudly produced by 1730 Media. That was the Timers Playbook. Thank you for listening. See you on the next episode. Shop.